We continue when we finish up our homily series on the precepts of the church, going over the last two of the seven precepts, the sixth and seventh being the sixth on marriage, that we are to follow the canons of the church regarding the teaching of marriage, and then the seventh that we are to provide for the missionary aspect of the church. And so these are really tied together, but I want to talk about marriage and the two canons that the church teaches on marriage that I think a lot of us or a lot of fallen away Catholics would say are solely responsible for them leaving the church. That these canons, what makes them responsible for leaving the church, if we didn't have to have these, then perhaps they would still be, we would still be Catholic. And they're, why do I have to get married in a church building? And why do I have to have an annulment after my divorce? Why do I have to be married in a church building, and why do I have to have an annulment uh, in order to be remarried if I am divorced and receive communion? And so I think we know the answers to these theoretically, but the reason why these questions are posed so much, and they're the number one reason why people in South Louisiana now go to Our Savior's Church or any other denomination that is not Catholic, where that problem is not confronted, And it seems like a very petty problem, one dealing with paperwork, one dealing with location, is because we have presented it as a petty problem, one dealing with paperwork and one dealing with location. And it's by the way that priests live their vocation and married people live their vocation. And since that, especially with being married in a church building, people in my generation, it's like, it's a matter of space. Why is this a big deal? Why can't I have the destination wedding? And because marriages are not being presented as something that's out of the ordinary. It's the bottom line. It's because marriages are not being presented as something out of the ordinary. And so it's an ordinary thing to be married either in a church building or in a beach. It's not a big deal. It's one thing among other things. The place that I get married is as important as the reception that will happen afterwards. And we get that idea from the way that marriages and priesthood has been lived, that our vocations are on the same level as every other aspect of our life, that at some point we're going to plateau and simply be roommates, and that our marriage will just simply be one thing along other things that keep us sustaining this lifestyle that allows me to just simply please myself. And so it is whenever we're talking about natural family planning, the mission of the married person to have a family to procreate um, and to dominate, subdue the earth. All of that is because we are not, we're still within this culture where we just say, you know what, marriage is one thing among other things. And at the end, I have to care for me. And that as long as I can remain within the legal boundaries of the church, then I'm doing it well. But if the hinge between living as a good Catholic and living as a fallen away Catholic is because of a location of a marriage ceremony, then it's because we have set up the culture to be that way by living our vocation on that same level where our vocation is of equal importance as everything else in our life that it's worth doing until, it's fulfill- until it loses this fulfilling aspect. And once it's no longer fulfilling, then we might as well stop it. And so that leads into 
the divorce and remarriage annulments is that so often we think of our vocation in terms of personal fulfillment. Because we think of our, ter- our vocation in terms of personal fulfillment, then the moment that it becomes unfulfilling, then we stop it. And the moment that we find someone else after a divorce that does fulfill the need, then we decide, why is the church going to stop me from doing this? Why is the church going to stop me from doing this? I found the one who fulfills me. Why would God want that? God would want me to have this, but for whatever reason, the church that you claim is God's church doesn't. And again, it's because we think in terms of our vocation as something that's just meant to fulfill us and not something that's supposed to serve the other and glorify God and his church. And all of that to say that this problem is all of our faults. It's all of our faults from the way that we live for ourselves. Because a lot of times we don't have good answers to these questions. Because the only difference between us and someone who is in these problems is that we live them within the legal boundaries of the church. And we think that we are fundamentally different oftentimes when perhaps we're not. Now, I would like to make, um, that was a very strong opening monologue. Um, I, would, I would like to make some, some practical encouragements about annulments. Um, the first, and just to debunk some things, is that annulments do not cost thousands of dollars. They are free. Um, also, Father Bruce and I are more than happy to accommodate anyone needing an annulment. Annulments don't take 10 years. They can take over a year. The, the chancery is very busy right now. That's why we have a lot of priests who are studying canon law who will be coming back soon to help with the process of annulments. Because annulments are, again, one of the main reasons why people step outside of the church. And as often, those who do receive annulments become some of the most missionary evangelistic couples that re-enter into the church. Um, the other thing about annulments, one of the fears that I've ran into a lot of times is that an annulment is going to illegitimize my children. As if, like, once I get the annulment, then they're going to receive in the mail, like, a certificate of, um, of illegitimacy, you know? That now, not going to be able to go to Catholic school, not going to be able to get married to the church, their children are going to be baptized. We're going to have like a lineage of illegitimate children, um, you know, that will never be able to be good Catholics. That's, that's not a thing, you know, um, that there's no like legal ramifications within the Catholic church that say that because I've received an annulment that now my children can no longer be practicing Catholics or enter into a Catholic school. That's... That's a myth. And so annulments are something that, things that are not a myth, annulments are painful. Because you do have to go back and examine the marriage and see what went wrong. And oftentimes what annulments require is saying that I am the one at fault. While my husband or wife in question is also at fault, probably, I have to be able to say that I am at fault as well. And here is why the marriage Uh, was not what Christ intended for marriage to look like. And so um, uh, with this, with all this, I think the central question with not only marriage, just shifting off of the enormous thing and getting back to the heart of this homily, the central question and leading into mission is whether the Christian life is worth living. Because vocation is an aspect of the Christian life. That our particular state of life is not the whole of the Christian life, but it is an aspect of it. And 
the reason why I say this is because whenever the canon talks about us all participating as missionaries within the church, the commentary on the Code of Canon Law references this document, Redemptoris Missio, by John Paul II, where he says that the ordinary way in which we evangelize is through our witness. The ordinary way in which we are missionaries is through our witness. And really the reason why is because Christ himself is the missionary of the Father. Jesus is the Father's missionary. And the way that Jesus missions is first in preaching, but his preaching only makes sense whenever we look back at his death. His preaching only ever makes sense when we look at his work of love on the cross. And that there is no church, as we're familiar, that hangs um, a picture of Christ preaching above its altar. But almost every church has Christ crucified above his altar because the work of being the missionary of the Father is to show us what to do, not how to think, not how to articulate an argument, but how to live. And so whenever the thing that keeps us, I think, most from wanting to be missionaries and the thing that keeps us most from answering these subtle, nuanced questions about whether I should get married in a church building or not, what's the big deal, or why do I need to get an annulment, is because we are not sold on the fact that the Christian life is worth living above all other things. The, the thing, we don't need to read one more book or listen to one more homily to begin being a missionary. Because again, missionary activity does not mean I convince you of a way to think about the church, or I convince you a way for you to think about God. It means I, have, I am beginning to trust God, and I believe that God is trustworthy. Will you trust him with me? I believe that God is trustworthy. Will you trust him with me? That this is the heart of the life of mission, but that only ever works if we begin to trust him now. Not to say that we've arrived at holiness, but to say that I trust God can get me there, and I trust that sainthood is worth it. If we're able to answer that question in sincerity, then there's no fear that keeps us from beginning to be a missionary. Because the whole part of the missionary is being a witness, which means that it's not a one-off conversation that I have with somebody, but it's a continual uh, transparency of light that I have. I say, yes, I will show you my life. I will show you the things that I do to help me to become a saint. I will not be afraid to talk about NFP being lived. I will not be afraid to talk about the struggles within the marriage, but how we invite God into them. I will not be afraid to talk to you about the ways in which I pray daily and the ways in which I fast, because I know that this isn't something that's just good for me. I know that Christ has come to save us all and that it's worth doing and that God himself is trustworthy and that we can trust him together. And so we ask that the Lord can give us a newfound hope a newfound hope within our own vocations, within our own marriages, and within our own desires for sainthood. That this life of marriage, which is the building block of society, and that we can now mold society by the way we live our marriages, and the way that we trust God, can be the avenue for the salvation of the world.